You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome again to the Monster Sci-Fi Show. I am your host, the Monster. And yes, it has been quite some time since I did my last podcast. In fact, it's been since, what, October 2020? But in fairness, I have been busy at my library. So the normal podcast that I would have been doing, I focus all that energy into doing lots of Zoom programs. One of them was doing a Dune book club, which you're going to be hearing the first part, but it's more about an introduction to the world of Dune. So you will hear a whole bunch of people, including Mr. Gene, talking about why Dune is great. And then what I plan to do, as you can hear, I'm outside, but you can't see me, but... Uh, what I plan to do in the next couple of months, over the several months, I should say, we're going to release another part of the podcast that we did for Dune Book 1, Book 2, and Book 3. So today being, again, a prelude to Dune, and then the next three months after that, you'll get one new podcast of the book. So if you want to read the book itself, you have the option to dive into the book at your own pace because it's a podcast, but it will be released as far as my podcast once a month. So again, we're doing book one, two, and three separately over three months starting next month. But in any case, I'm going to now shut up (laughs) and turn it over to the podcast or the Zoom call that we recorded about why Dune is great, and the first person speaking is going to be Heather. Do you guys want to start and talk about what brought us here today, or what friends peer pressures us, peer pressured us into? <laughs> How much do you love this person? I need my insulin to live. Please give it to me now, Monty. <laughs> I did not peer pressure anyone. Just spammed forever. Just be like, well, let, let's do this. Just so we could just formally do an introduction. Mm-hmm. So, I'll start off with me. My name is Montgomery. My name is Heather. Um, Eugene, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Eugene. I'm a, I know very little to nothing about Dune. Uh, Monty, it's been one of Monty. I've known Monty for over 20 years. For years, Monty's been trying to get me into this thing. He's given me copies <laughs> of the movie. He's, uh, he's explained to me. I, I've gotten the audiobook, but I've never been able to crack it. I've never taken an interest in it for some reason. And that's weird to me because I know Star Trek, I know Star Wars, I know all the other, uh, most of the other sci-fi worlds, but I can't crack this. So I'm here to try and uh, hopefully get my interest in this going. That's all, I guess. That's kind of how I feel like that's usually how it goes for a lot of people. Um, so I'll, I'll introduce myself really quick. I'm Rebecca, and my... Like, basically, for my entire childhood, adolescence, and into adulthood, Dune was my mom's, like, favorite, favorite series. Um, like, that's her one obsession. And I was I was telling this to Monty and Heather. 
like some people are deeply obsessed with Star Wars and like to the point where they'll join the Jedi Church. If if there was a <laughs> dude, I feel like my mom would have joined it. Um, so it's very near and dear to her heart. I've only read really the first book, but I got so hyped for the upcoming like well the movie that got delayed that I'm kind of yeah. tackling the rest of the the series. So yeah, thank you for joining us, everyone. <laughs> Okay, I guess I'm Nats. My name is Dion Mancy. I'm completely new to Doom, so take it easy on me, folks. <laughs> Dion watched the trailer like 20 minutes ago, so... Yeah, literally. That's all, that's all I think I'm seeing. Right? <laughs> so we'll put you there with Eugene. <laughs> but, uh, hi, I'm Joe, and I'm a former bookseller. Um, Love sci-fi since I was very, very young. And Dune is one of my favorite novels, so... I am more than happy to be here, and both Montgomery and Gene, <laughs> well, we all like to geek out, especially since we're older geeks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, does anyone want to talk about, like, what got you interested into Dune? I know Rebecca shared a little bit about how it was her mother's favorite book. Um, Monty, what what got you into Dune? Like, what was your introductory to Dune? Okay. Back in, um, bef- I think before the movie or when the movie came out, my friend Brian in, jun- in junior high school saw Dune, hated it. But he said, you're going to love this movie because I know who you are and this is going to be like, that's a thing. David Lynch. Watched it and it is, if you know David Lynch and you know his style, uh, you understand the weirdness of watching Dune, but... It, it really kind of worked on me to the point of like, I'll read the book now that I know what the people look like. And it's almost like, I almost wish we had that movie like right now, which hopefully we will in 2021. You'll get half the movie. <laughs> because they have yet to be done properly. Mm-hmm. I, the Sci-Fi Channel did a, a, a good enough job to kind of break up the series to yeah. explain a lot more things. But there's something about that campiness of that first one. If you love David Lynch and you know all his favorite actors are in that movie, there's something about that movie that you just cannot put down. And the Sci-Fi Channel put on a four-hour version of that movie that has even more inner monologue. If you want more monologue, you have even more. Uh, and a whole new ending, or now a whole new beginning that introduces like the world of Dune. So and that helps explains a lot to me because there's a lot more bugs we'll get into, but that's the basis of my love for Dune. I mean, granted, it's not as passionate as Star Trek and, and Star Wars, but really, Dune is kind of like the basis for a lot of this. So, but I'm glad mm-hmm. that was John Carter. Wasn't that John Carter? Um, it was multiple wow. things. I would say it's very influ- influential in many ways, in many yeah. respects, like with John Carter. You know. Um, but I, the thing is, I forgot to mention that, that Gene and I also do a podcast. So this is kind of like in our wheelhouse, but not in our wheelhouse. So I'm, I'm glad that he is taking the leap, so to speak, to join us. I'm following you. You're the lead. I'm, just, I'm here to learn. <laughs> well, I'm glad very little about this. So Gary's asking, has anyone seen the documentary <laughs> Jordakowski? Yes. Is that how I say it? Jordakowski. So, he was the first oh writer who attempted to make that movie. And the thing is that Jodorowsky, like many directors, will readapt something 
to his vision. Maybe and he had a very peculiar vision for doing And he, he basically got, ah, sorry. <laughs> he basically got all this, um, all these different powerhouses together. I mean, he's the reason that we got the people to make uh, Aliens and Blade Runner and a number of other movies. Yeah. So, it's sort of like his, it, it, it was such an, an interesting concept, but the thing is the movie was never made because it was just yeah, impossible it was, to be made at the time. I mean, he wanted Salvador Dali to play the emperor of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I was like, that would have been a great movie, but also like really, really weird. Like the creation of Paul would have been different, but I'm really interested to see how yeah. the new movie is out um i was introduced to dune a long time ago i also was introduced to the 80s movie and the horrible wonderful camp that it is and i was like why why and i asked all these questions and then i got into the book and i started reading and it started to kind of unfold every time you reread you learn something more about the characters i think i've gotten the furthest in the book because i am on book three um and oh, it gets weird. It gets weird, and it's lovely, and I love yeah. it. Um, but it's so campy, yeah. and it's so much. Fun. Don't take it too seriously. Well, the yeah. movie is. We, the we movie. Have to fight about the this. book is a whole different story. Yeah. The book is to oh, me. Yeah. It, it it is the predecessor to like great epics like Game of Thrones. It is like sci-fi mm-hmm. getting the respect that it deserves because of the scope of it and kind of the very heavy themes that it explores. Like even for. Well, I don't know, like, it always surprises me to see that it was, like, published 1960s. Like, 65, yeah. 1965, yeah. So, the troops are so iconic, and you see them in Game of Thrones. Duke Leto is Ned Stark. So if you've seen Game uh, of Thrones, if you've seen Star Wars, <laughs> what a take. Dune already, it's it's great. Well, and I'm going to that today. <laughs> I mean, like, there's even another shout-out with Star Wars. I mean, the Star Wars pit is basically a throwback to the, to the Worms. Yeah. So, it, 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 it was, what, came out in 65. It influenced pretty much all sci-fi afterwards. That's what made Dune so amazing. I got into it because of the movie as well. <laughs> um, but I read the book first because, oh, the movie's coming out. Let me see if I read the book first. And I was, I think, 14 at the time. And it's one of those novels I keep coming back to because um, Frank Herbert was just so able to capture so many nuances about being human that it's something when you go back to it, you're like, oh, I see. Especially when you bring my more experience to it. It's almost like, oh, I have this better filter to see what he was attempting to talk about. That's, I think, what made the book so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um and to some people who've read the entire series, which I unfortunately have not, I did. Um, I've read the prequels, but I haven't read like um, beyond the original two novel, full novel, all three sub books within it. Um, just how much he he brings to it, uh, just these meta concepts, these tropes that he he plays with within the book. That I'm like, wow. Uh, I was gonna say that to some extent, like I feel mm -hmm. like the Game of Thrones comparisons make sense because even by the time that like Game of Thrones was released, like the the archetypal fantasy and the archetypal hero story, like that was the thing that was known by the seventies when Star Wars hit. 
So reading back, because I'm still like rereading the first uh, Dune, it kind of does bring to mind the, that subversive aspect that Game of Thrones became like so well known for, where you have your tropes, but we're not just going to leave you with tropes. We're really going to have to explore the humanity of these characters. And it, it's something I also hadn't realized that I kind of like about Dune in that there's like no real aliens, not the way that like, envision like yeah like a sentient alien like and i don't know if anyone here like plays mass effect but to me that's like traditional space opera style and you get to explore the different worlds and the different races like alien species and what their lives are like and stuff like that but with dune it's very much about humanity so kind of like how the fantastical aspects of game of thrones are secondary to what it means for humanity Mm-hmm. I like the breakdown of the characters and how you get really attached to them and then something terrible happens or great. Um, and you're just like, what's going to happen? Oh, it's, it's really great. And I love to see how they evolve over the course of the story and whether or not, oh, what's going to, you know, are they going to rise to greatness? Is this hero cycle going to continue? How do we feel about that? And it's, it's really interesting because I feel like he puts a lot of nuance into how they're broken down, what they're thinking about, um, and the struggles that they go through. There's a lot of angst in this, this book series, and I just, I very much enjoy that. Uh, from my two cents yeah. on that, when it comes to reading a book, the fact that there was a glossary at the end of the Dune novel, <laughs> yes. it is intimidating right off the bat because there are a lot of terms that I'm like, do I really need to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth? You do almost, you have to, but that takes you out of the element. So I think watching the Dune movie helps to understand some of the, the concepts so you don't have to refer constantly to that dictionary part. That's the thing I think... Um, I found intimidating. Aside from like, there's a map. What does that mean? Where's a glossary? I don't know what that means either. And then trying to delve into that. <laughs> Where are the people? Where are they going? So it's so it, many it, names. You're just thrown into this universe, and you really have no context. Um, not to say that um, you don't understand uh, Star Wars or Star Trek, but they're a lot <laughs> easier to grasp. Whereas this. Sure, you have you know your protagonist and your antagonist, but it's a lot more. It's that universe world building that mm-hmm. I've never felt or I've never read in that scope in a book. Yeah. Um, so are we really to- pitching this to you, Eugene? I'm just wondering. Are you? I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening to it. I I already know some of it. I I know. Uh, again, I talked to my roommate, and I was like, my friend, I was like, you know, what is it? And she's like, oh, it's Game of Thrones in space, basically. Yes. You know. But I'm like, okay, that's fine. I, I recently watched that. I get that. Uh, but I, I'm just waiting for you guys to to unfold the story for me, to give me context. So I don't have to go to okay. the so much in the back. <laughs> well, but the I, I fun when I start to read it, I'm sure I'll be there with my notepad and my book and going back and forth, and it'll be fine. But please wow. tempt me. Bring yeah. me into your universe. Tell me, unfold the magic in this book. Well, it's well, in a, there's a reading rainbow. Gene. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was, gonna, I was, I was <laughs> well, like, I'm not going to repeat that. I'm not going to repeat that. I mean, I realize this, this podcast, I mean, not podcast, pardon me, this Zooming uh, has uh, the subtitle of young adults. I'm, I'm not going to take umbrage with it, but I'm going to say, I, I think that this is sort of like, 
let's make Star Wars and even Star Trek more young adults, and Dune is more of the adult book. Yeah. Because it has all these nuances in it that I'm like going, as a young adult, when I first read it, I'm like, okay, this is interesting, but I didn't really note it. It's as I got older that I would have been able to understand, oh, this is what he's referencing. These are the nuances. And yeah, also I'm the fact that these characters... Oh, go ahead, sorry. Yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. I was just simply saying the the characterizations that he did, uh, especially for the time. I mean, he did this in the mid-60s. And he gave his all of his characters this very interesting agency, especially the women. Because in a lot of ways, the women in the books are the ones who are the um, catalysts. Because if, if Jessica had made oh, um, one of the characters in the book, Yes. Uh, just as a wife, she, if she had made some different choices, the book would never ever have been made. Yeah, I feel like Jessica is the catalyst that started off because she's the one who decided yeah. to start everything. And we should go more into depth in that in a little bit. Monty, did you want to lead us with your PowerPoint and show us some of the fun aspects of like the game? And yeah, let's do that. The great world of Dune. <laughs> Let's get started. Also, everybody say hi to Nancy because I forgot to. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Hey. I believe that might hey. be your last name, but but welcome, welcome. Thank you. South Miami's representing. Oh yeah. I'm here as a patron, not as a librarian. You made a PowerPoint presentation. Yes. Awesome. Very important. Yes, Jean. PowerPoint. Because we're professionals. <laughs> yep. Wait, I'll get my popcorn. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, snacks. It's very. Oh, look, he's got the new font. Snacks and drink. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm trying to see this myself, but I'm blocking myself. Um, let me just. No, oh, not what I wanted to do. All right. I love the original cover. <laughs> so. The original cover is so nostalgic, and I love it. I yeah. love the font. I love how creepy it is. I love how everything. <laughs> Place. <laughs> okay. This is really the book for the night owls. Yeah. Represent. Okay. So I believe this is the first edition cover of for Dune. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll I'm going to talk about something that his I got encountered with with his son in regard to all these books. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. So these are the first six books that Frank Herbert actually wrote out. And I believe Chapter House mm-hmm. was somewhere in the, I was at 85. Or, do you know, Joe? Uh, Joe? No, I think it's a little later. I think it was later. the early 90s. It was before he passed away. It was the last one he wrote. Right. So, but. It was 85. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, so mm-hmm. these are the initial books that he wrote. After his passing, his front, his front, his. Son Brian um, uh, found that he had right, no- yeah. an outlines for this massive storyline that it gets even more not so much confusing, but it becomes more massive because he has prequels and prequels of prequels and then interquels, which means our books within each of these six initial books. So I'm not sure, much like if you were watching Star Wars for the first time and you see the six movies, I don't count the new three as part of my six. Yeah, be a hater, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have a Star Wars event and we'll find that out. 
<laughs> but mm. you have those six movies. How do you watch that movie, those, that series? Do you start with episode four, five, and six, and then one, two, and three? Or do you do chronological of one, two, and three? That's kind of where we would be in this crisis with Dune. Sure, we can do the initial six books, but then when you get into the expanded verse, um, there are books within each other of the six that I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. So that's something down the road we can discuss. But let me just go into the next screen just so you can see. Um, all of these are pretty much going to be before Doom begins. Yeah, explaining yeah. The, the characters. Yeah, I mean, I, I really can't even do it justice because I, I have no... They're all written by his son, and none of them are written by him, so... Son and also Kevin J. Anderson. Right. Oh, oh, yeah, uh, Kevin J. Anderson. He's done some great stuff with the Star Wars, but I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, I actually do like him. I hadn't realized he was part of the... of, of, of like, a, a deal. Yeah. yeah. The, they're, like, the three direct prequels, of the three House of Trees, House Harkonnen, and House Torino. And then you have the the, the further prequels with the Machine Crusade and the Volterian Jihad. Uh, Stand Worms of Dune and Hunters of Dune are actually books that are set after Chapter House. Right, which is the the, the last batch here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like the Winds of Dune, for example, takes That's place a lot. after the first Dune and before Dune Messiah. There's like sixteen, eighteen books, and there just was a new release, mm-hmm. I think, last week. Um, in the graphic novel, remember? Uh, but Navigators of, mm-hmm. the, of Dune is the latest one as far as book-wise. And I think they're still making a couple more, but I'm not sure about that. Uh, so Actually, that, no, one just one just came out. Which was yeah, what? Yeah, a new one just came out last week. What was it called? Well, I don't, yeah, like, uh, oh, brother. Uh, I know it's about Leto, but I forgot uh, the title of it. Yeah, I forget. So it does reference Dune, but it's about his time on Paladin. I'm looking at it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, so when, but, of course, when the initial Dune yeah. movie came out, mm-hmm. we had the, of course, the equivalent of a graphic novel or a movie adaptation, but in the comic book form. Um, honestly, I don't mm-hmm. remember these at all. So that's kind of cool if we ever find them in the bookstore. I cannot uh, take the David Lynch design series. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but like, there was only three that were adapted from the movie itself, yeah. and that was it. And these look like yeah. they were inspired by the movie. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, the glowing Christ knives, if that's what you want to call them, are not that shiny. Chris knife. That's false advertising. Chris knife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... What's good news is that we are going to get a Dune graphic novel that's coming out in hardcover very shortly, November 24th. Are you going to get it? Are we pre-ordering that? Uh, Gene, honestly, I have no idea if Hoopla will get this because it's kind of out of our hands. Um, But as far as... (laughs) You're a patron, you can recommend it. Right. Forget that. All right. So, and if we're not your library, if you're elsewhere, you can still recommend it to your local library. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, because if nothing else, I know I will be ordering this for my branch. So, and I'm sure all of us will order it too. So I'm really excited about that being done for the graphic novel. 
But since the movie is not coming out in December, well, mm. I'm hoping it doesn't really spoil about the movie. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, exactly. So now moving on, we have our first 12-issue comic series uh, by Boom Studios, which is called Dune House of Trades. So mm-hmm. we have the first issue out right now, and that's a variant cover. The other one is, uh, I think, of Paul, if I'm not mistaken, on the cover. Uh, the second one will be out on November 25th, and then each month will be coming out. So the full one, I think, is coming out uh, June 29th. So the hardcover edition of all 12 issues is not until June 29th. Moving on to games. Yes, believe it or not. <laughs> Which, I, oh boy. I, if, if any of y'all have like heard of these or played these, let me know. Either like raise your hand or put it in the I've box. played this. This is my first time hearing about these. I've played this once. Ooh. And it. I got to be lucky because I played as the Fremen and won. I had no idea what I was doing against these experienced players. <laughs> but I won. That's now, every experience with tabletop wow. games. Yeah. It's very extensive. I have watched people play the game, and yeah. I think if you were like the guild, it might be ah oh, the Harkonnens. Yeah, mm. I, I'm not going to get into. I want to be a Harkonnen. It, it, it's too, <laughs> but it is maybe one of the better board games that really tries to kind of mirror what the universe is like in that book. Because you do play the different houses and the gameplay is pretty uh, interesting, to say the least. Um, This came out in 1979. It was discontinued, but it was picked up last year in 2019. So there is a new Dune edition to play this. This looks like the new game. Um, Not sure. I think it is because the dials aren't red, like the little dial pieces that you put your chip into so okay. yeah it does look like the new version because i i watched a comparison video so ah. <laughs> yeah they did our homework i <laughs> i i get lost on the youtube and fall in a black hole mm-hmm. that your dork side mm. is showing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um there was a guy that when i was starting to learn D on 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 youtube he did a three-hour gameplay on this mm. uh, just the other day that I was watching and it's really interesting so there's someone who recorded themselves playing this so if you want to learn how to play so does it have like additional lore in by himself no yes and, and and you can backstab each other it this mm. it's yeah. a very oh, really? it's among you know the fun game for all family members backstabbing exactly <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Can you tell if this person is lying? Are you going to give up this member of your team? What land? Essentially, you're trying to like take over the planet, and the planet is Arrakis. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. So, cashing in on the great title on the great movie of Dune, <laughs> we have actual Dune video games. What? Which, mm. yeah. yeah. They're like early 2000s They're, video games. Well, here's yeah. the the first Dune cover uh, you see is from 1992. Or 90s. Or 90s, if you want to be a 90s kid. Um, <laughs> I want to be a Flintstones kid. Yeah. Uh, I'm million strong and growing. No. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. 
Uh, Dune 2 came out in 1992. Can anyone guess when Dune 2000 came out? 2000? Oh my god, you nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, they were the... um, It was one of the early uh, RTSs, or real-time strategy games, that helped uh, precede the, the... the genre, oh, it was a lot of fun when I first played it. Yeah. <laughs> was there anything released in the year 2000 that wasn't like title 2000? Yeah, Honestly. it did. <laughs> the Emperor, mm. Battle for Dune. Yeah, right. 2001. So uh, that yeah. one included uh, 3D graphics and live action cutscenes. But I did not know about that. Now, the Frank Herbert Dune, the one that came Excuse out. Me. Nope. You okay? Yeah. Uh, This one was modeled after the Sci-Fi Channel's miniseries. Very good, by the way. Um, Which, the miniseries is fine, but unfortunately the company went out of business after making this game for Dune. Um, And then the last one, it's not so much a Dune game, but it was a Dune mod for civilization so that was kind of interesting to see oh do i have more people coming in (laughs) okay um so that one came out in what was it Uh, it doesn't give me the year but that was the last thing of dune that was related so moving on why are you not moving on there we go. All right. So Ooh, t- action figures. What? Uh, so, oh, that's the new one. Yeah. I recognize Timothy right front and center. So what's kind of cool about this, um, though, those who know me know I have collect toys. Gene and I also collect lots of toys. Um, but the person that I'm, I really like a lot who does a lot of great toys is Todd McFarlane, who is a comic book artist that is now doing fantastic toys. So he is doing the whole, not the whole line, but he's doing at least, I think it's only just the first wave. I hope there will be more, but each character will have a piece of another character, which is called Build-A-Figure. So these Mm -hmm. four will have pieces to build another figure which I actually thought it was for um, the Baron Harkonnen, but it's not. It's for Beast Ravon. Beast Ravon, yeah. So you can get them at Walmart, but I think they're still not available yet until after Thanksgiving. Um, they're running about close to like $24, $25 a pop. So just getting the four figures is going to be at least under $100. But you'll get a fifth figure once you buy all four and put that one together. So, this was counted <laughs> for Tony. For two. Oh, no. um, yeah, this is in all fairness, <laughs> now that you, this, you would want, if you were a collector, you would want to at least buy these just for the nostalgia of, okay, they were not the greatest figures, but you want to complete your, your set. Um, what cracks me up here, and until you know this reference here, this is supposed to be Sting. Yeah. 
He also yeah. has in this box here a cat. And I'm not going to explain mm. why the cat's in there, but it does show up in a movie, and it's like, what? What are you doing to the cat? <laughs> uh, but we uh, have uh, here is Stilgar, leader of the Fremen. We have Paul Atreides. Mm-hmm. We have, um, oh my God, I just had his name. Lito. Huh? Lito's on the left. Lito. Lito. No, that's right next to Paul. No, that's Stilgar. Okay, yeah, remember. Okay, yeah, Fade. There's a parent. Fade. Thank you, lovely Fade. Okay. <laughs> Fade <laughs> Ralpha. And then we got the not the floating fat man, but close enough. Uh, the Baron here, a son uh, of soldier. And this is supposed to be the Beast Raban because if you take off the helmet, it's him. But he has like an, an extra piece, an accessory there. And of course, the sandworm, which maker, the maker, the maker. <laughs> See, Gene, that's how you yeah, thank the maker. Right? I'm sorry, I'm moving off. I'm sorry. Uh, By the way, nobody gets distracted. I'm just linking memes. There you go. All right, so that <laughs> is my presentation. But I want to show you a whole new world. Yes, yes in a whole you dare new close your eyes. No. Okay. All right. Can everyone see this? Yeah. This is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is Brian. Say hi, Brian. Hi, Brian. Hi, Brian. <laughs> so I tweeted out to Brian when I was at South Day that I got all these books that I was going to link into our, into our collection. I got really super excited. I'm like, ah, he's not going to do anything with it. But he tweeted it out in a later post uh, talking about how well Dune is really doing. And he gave me credit for the photo, which is the, at the Monster Sci-Fi show. Yeah. So I kind of geeked out at that moment. And I was like, okay. out from the author. Oh, my God. This... We Larson liking your tweet photo. <laughs> yes, Gene. I haven't told that story. Amazing. Touches touches with greatness. That's great. Because I have a thing for Brie Larson, but that's besides the point. And that's for another time. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, but, we stand. We stand. Thank you. Um, but I think this is kind of cool that he acknowledged that, you know, that Dune was still a thing and the movie hasn't even come out yet. And, I would love, if possible, to reach out to, to Brian and talk to him. And if we get lucky, maybe we can all do like a Zoom call with him. That would be like the one thing I would love to do. That would be the chance of a lifetime. I would really love to be part of that. So, yeah, that would be awesome. <clears throat> Me three. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's my little two cents there. So and I'm going to be done now with my share. Okay. So now I believe it's my time to shine. Let's start this. Okay. You guys see it now? Yep. Okay. Yeah. As I had mentioned, I got into Dune because I was introduced to the 80s movie, the wonderful adaptation, and then I spiraled and watched all of the shows. All of the shows. And so now what I'm going (laughs) to attempt to do is break down the houses and some of the main characters that you'll see and the original, mm-hmm. like, as you're getting introduced to the book series. So first we have House Atreides, their lovely flag, their falcon, a red and green, 
and these are the main characters. Okay, first we're going to have Duke Leto, and he is Paul's father, and this is some fan art of how he was described to look. He's this troubled soul. He is your Game of Thrones Ned Stark. He's an honorable man. He's trying his hardest, and he's just trying to set a good example for his son. At the beginning of the books, we're introduced to him, and he's just this foreboding character. We know what's going to happen to him. He's told, don't go, don't be in charge of this other planet, Arrakis. Um, here we have him in the first movie, the one from the 80s, and he's got his like green uniforms. It's all taking place at night because Arrakis is a desert planet, so it's incredibly hot. And so they come out at like dusk to dawn. That's their time in the middle of the night. So that's why all of these photos appear a little bit dark and eerie. This is him from the mini series. He looks different here. He has like lighter hair. And then this is his current oh. character who he's going to be playing in, in the new movie that out next year now. And he looks incredible. Um, I don't know if any of you remember the old eighties movie. He, he didn't wear yes. like, <laughs> yeah. As a character, and I really like the representation of how he's going to be portrayed. And I wanted—I just wanted to say something really quick because, like I said, I'm still rereading it. First time I read uh, the first Dune, I was like 14, 15. Um, But I I find like the the father figure and like the level of influence that he has, and the level of love that he inspires from Jessica and Paul is very Ned Stark-like. But I wouldn't say he's a Ned Stark figure. I don't know if it's just like the way that I'm reading it the second time around. It comes across as a lot more cold to me. Like, I don't know, like easier. Like, it's a lot harder for me to like really understand where all this devotion comes from. I feel like like when you're reading it, he does come off as cold. But in this atmosphere, everything is being rested on his shoulder. And he's struggling for power. Everybody is putting so much pressure on him to, you know, keep it together, to prevail for his house. He is head of House Atreides and so much responsibility just weighs so heavily on him to, to have a son, to have an heir, to continue leading. And he basically, he, he's told that, you know, it's probably a bad idea that he leave Caladan, which is his home planet, which is an oceanic planet full of like plants. And it, it kind of, in more terms, like represents earth. And he decides to leave all of that behind and put all of his eggs in one basket and go to Arrakis, even though he's basically being told, a bad idea it's a bad idea bad things are going to happen you're going to be with your enemies and he actually has to take charge i feel like in the new movie we're going to see a better side of him where he's going to come off as a little bit more compassionate but i feel like he had to be very strong and very firm and a little bit cold so that the harsh realities that he's being exposed to his son is ready for them that's fair because I do see yeah. his influence, yeah. and I also really believe that Jessica loves him. I'm just like Jessica, like I don't like him that much. And she decides to like go again. That's our next character that we're going to get into, Lady yeah. Jessica. She is a Benny Gesserit. She's a concubine. She had all of this wonderful training. She 
basically she is in like an arranged marriage with Duke Leto. She falls in love with him and he's like, I really want a son. And she was told and trained to only have a daughter, have a daughter. And she decides, no, no, I am so in love with this dude. I'm going to have his son. And then you can see her in the new eighties movie with her wonderful hairdos. She's like this beautiful image of like, bald woman and it's just her costumery is really great i feel for like the most outlandish type of headdresses and costumes she's got smoky eyes she she really presents herself as like this regal character and as we continue on in the tv <laughs> show she is like lighter colored hair you see her in the background of the desert she really struggles so much angst with this character and then in the new movie i love the actress who is going to be portraying her i feel like she sets the tone perfectly that like her eyes just lock you in and i just i'm going to be really really sad i feel like i really hope that this movie this new movie coming out lives up to the hype but yes um Lady Jessica was trained by the mm. Bene Gesserit Society, who um, basically, they're a century-long breeding program that is trying to make, essentially, like, the Messiah. And they have seeded on this planet Arrakis through this religious teaching and doctrine through the Orange Bible, I believe, um, that Moadib, or the, well, yeah, Monty, help the me. The voice of the other world, Al-Adib. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. Gib, the yes. voice of the other world, the voice of the other world, and that his mother would be coming with him, and it was uh, the mission of protecting us from the Bene um, Gesserit. Well, yeah. they've had a uh, thousands and thousands of years, but yeah, I mean, I'm getting into all the territory if I continue. May I, or do you wish me to stop? <laughs> well, yeah. well, we'll stop with that because next month we'll get into the heavy. Yeah, heavy breakdown of characters and what we think that they're going to be doing. Yeah, shameless promo. This is like the first part of a, a this is series. The introduction. Oh yeah, I'm trying to like okay. lay the groundwork. For We're gonna it. get like really deeply into like the first part of Dune um, at our next meeting. So if anyone wants to sign up, for that, just let us know. Yes, we're gonna send you the information so that you can be hyped with us anyway but like the Benny Gesserits also are very well trained they have the weirding way in which they're able to control like the thoughts of I'm really terrible at describing things but I'll help the, the Benny Gesserits have uh, they studied the mind and body for millennia they mm-hmm. are capable of um, controlling people because they're able to, to understand exactly uh, their nuances and everything else. They get imprints of them just by hearing them speak. And they're able to modulate the voices so in an almost hypnotic manner. And, and I just, yeah. Feel, mm-hmm. Well, something that I want to point out that I think part of the reason why this book was always like such a favorite of my mom's and something that she put to me like from the beginning was like the utter, like mm-hmm. like the real level of power that comes from Benedictine is like their comp- lead autonomy like yes. to the point where they can decide i'm gonna have a, a girl or i'm gonna have a boy um and then their their influence on others so like as as a fictional group they're kind of amazing 
Yeah, the way they see themselves, and they're just, they have so much badassery. Um, when they go through these trainings, some of them are able to become Reverend Mothers, and they're able to see their ancestry. So they're able to envision and become more aware of what their ancestors did and how they got to where they are. So they know all these secrets and history from way, way back. Their grandmothers, 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 grandmothers. They are able to see so far back in time. And this helps them have more understanding and knowledge to make better decisions. Some of them are put in lots of positions of power, which we'll see throughout the series, um, where they're advisors and they're suggesting tactics of this is what you should be doing. Oh, that's a terrible idea. You really get to see how they just like where their mind is at and how they make choices. Yes. Um, well, this is only tangentially related since we're talking about aspects of the world, because Gary shared an article that um, I think is really, is really cool because it's breaking down the importance of the sandworms being the only alien species on this universe. Um, and then it kind of ends, I'm going to quote it, but it says basically like the existence of these sandworms, like the existence of the alien species. Um, the alien animals are the sole source of how humans make contact with alien animals. So it's, I don't know, it, it's, I, I don't always pay attention to like aspects of world or, or aliens, but I, I'm curious in that reread that I'm going to do, like to see how that influences because the planet itself, Arrakis itself kind of like feels like its own entity because of the sandworms. Yeah, it, it, and, in, and in a lot of ways, I feel like it really is. Arrakis is, like, when you first are introduced to the book, you think it's like an uninhabitable planet. And then you learn about how the sandworms produce the spice, which is an addictive drug that turns everybody's eyes blue. And if you stop taking it, you will probably, most likely, will definitely die. Um, but how mm -hmm. it enhances your mental oh, resources. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, and how everybody is hooked on it. And it's it basically it's what fuels them for their travel, for their mentants to have this trained ability. It's 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 the spice. They, <laughs> the spice is <laughs> the spice is uh, the, the central cause of complex identity. It is the, the most valuable uh, substance in the universe, as quoted within the movie and the book. The interplays between the houses are all because of who controls it does control the universe the emperor's game well we'll talk more about that in the next episode i suppose but that's why uh leo took the uh, chance to take over it's like he wanted to expand the wealth and power of his house yeah and of course with paul being the um the heir he chose to make him there and in a lot of ways, he's going, well, yes, I, I really like this as a trap, but I'm going into it with my eyes open. Yeah. Now, did that come at the end? That's We've for next time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, the, the whole thing with the, the spice is that it's, you know, we have to introduce one other group in order to have this be understood. You have the Spacing Guild. And the Spacing Guild are those who um, control the monopoly on space travel. Yes. But they utilize the spice launch to mutate themselves into navigators. That's the, they, they have the ability to be able to travel through space without moving. Almost, it's a form of teleportation. Yeah. But it uses precognition, which is very important in all the books. But 
again, I get ahead of myself. The spice though, plays heavily into that. And it's also the geriatric spice. It gives you health while you still take it. That's why yeah, the Emperor, for more, like, in a few yeah. moments, is 75, but he looks like he's 35. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll make you uh, look like a little enhanced oh, yeah. fan. Okay. 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 On to the next slide. Yes. Okay, <laughs> this is our main character, yeah, yeah. Paul. Some wonderful clip art of him. This is who he's played by in the 80s movie. And then this is the TV show. Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, yeah, so Paul is supposed to be 15. Yeah. Does yeah. This drive Which is why <laughs> Timothy is a great choice. Year old. I feel like in the movie, not so much. Or in the TV miniseries, but with the new adaptation, I feel like he more closely represents his character in the book as this, you know, young adolescence going into <clears throat> manhood and you really get to see his hero cycle of how he decides to basically come into power i also really like that he's like even for his age he's kind of described as like small and 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 like thin right he's not or a child he's not that strong he's not a, yeah, he's he's not some like six foot tall, like mm-hmm. super ripped abs and biceps, uh, like formidable <laughs> opponent. He's just a kid, um, but skill and talent and all the training that his mother gave him, like really go a long way in empowering him. Yeah, and shaping. And we when we watch the movie and we listen to the TV or listen to the books, we really see from his perspective. We're following his hero journey and seeing where he's going to lead us. Is he's going to, you know, is he going to rise to the occasion? And and from what I've heard, he suffers a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, so much angst, and it makes it so great. Tastes so good. <laughs> okay. And then we have further in the book, in book one, you will see his younger sister, oh, yeah. Anya. Um, and she is pre-born, meaning in womb, she learns about all of her ancestry, her history. She figures out, you know, how she's just way too over exposed to everything and how she's portrayed in the miniseries and in the movie you see her kind of grow up in the miniseries and it's it's really interesting i won't i won't give away too much on her character because we'll we'll read more, more into it then we have do fear howitt he's um the mintat and master assassin for house atreides we have some lovely fan art from jordowski's film that was never made and then some other fan art. This is how he looks in <laughs> the movie. Caterpillar. Power. And he's got Super Caterpillar. On his face. I used to me. laugh at my father-in-law because he had those eyebrows. <laughs> but I notice as I'm getting on, I'm like, why are these growing like this? I'm like, I'm getting these big eyebrows like him. It's it's a look. It's a look. You could be a master assassin, and we just don't know. Or it. do a massive comb over <laughs> with the eyebrows. Yeah, from the mini series, you see like the character costumes, uh, the crazy hats. We're gonna get into that. And in the new movie, we see a. Pers- oh, I love that actor. I know. The new movie is gonna be so great, and we get to see how they evolve in character. We go from 
being portrayed by a white narrative. And now we're seeing people of color, which I feel like is very important because Arrakis is a desert planet. Where are the tans? Where are the people of color? Like the Arabic inspired names, I was assuming we would have more people of color. So I'm really excited for a different take on some new actors and actresses. I, I know she's coming up, but um, I love the casting of Zendaya, so. Oh my God, I'm so uh, excited. So We're gonna get to can I, may I interject a little bit about the Mentats? There and why are. they're important? Okay. <laughs> Well, Mentats in this universe are basically human computers because yes. of what occurred in the past. There was something called the Baltarian, uh, Baltarian Jihad, where humanity had to fight against uh, AI yeah, and they- humanity won. But they weren't, since that occurred, these different schools opened, both uh, like the Space Angels, the Bene Gesserits, and the Mentats. Yeah. And there are others, but I won't discuss them yet. But the, the main ones in the, in the first book would be the ones that I just mentioned. The, the Mentats are used by uh, the different houses for, for various uses. In other words, they're the ones who have to come up with conclusions uh, based on logic, given all the information that, uh, that they're able to obtain. Yeah, this this plays, uh, plays an important part in the book. <laughs> Yeah, and and basically there was this giant war over whether or not we should let robots or computers control us. And during this time, they decided that they did not Mm -hmm. want anything to do with that. So this is why this book is kind of a little bit interesting, because when we normally think about sci-fi, we think about like robots and technology and space travel. But in this book, there's a lot of importance on, on the fact that we wouldn't want the like a computer with the likeness of a human mind. And so we kind of see that in like mm-hmm. Mintas are human computers. So they're able to do these intense calculations. And um, when we start reading, you'll find out that like Paul was originally supposed to be and was in the middle of like training to become a Mintab. Okay. The next character we have is Gurney Hallett. And he's described as being a lump of a man, like really short and stout and kind of not attractive at all. And it's kind of interesting to see how he's portrayed in the movies. Is that that Sir Patrick Stewart? (laughs) Um, That is not a lump of a man. No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's ended at the casting group. How they like they went from that description (laughs) Patrick Stewart, and they give us this. And he's just portrayed in his armor. He's a tribunal warrior. And it's just kind of lovely how we went from a lump of a man to... Uh-huh. <laughs> so you're saying Patrick Stewart walked so Thanos here could run. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, a, like a, a troll-looking man to this. And I'm, I'm just not mad. I just wish they actually would mad. like portray ugly people as ugly in movies, but it's Hollywood. I get it. Well, he's a goody yeah, forever. That's why. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's mm. quite fascinating. And all of these, um, friends of Duke Leto, who he established these great connections with, he really marketed himself well. And he's so beloved. All these people are helping to train Paul so that he can eventually take over House Atreides. Um, we have Duncan Idaho, who is master swordsman for House Atreides. And Lord Master of the Ginnad. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's portrayed 
as different characters. And it's really interesting because to see how he might change. And he is being played by yes, Jason. Everybody has different opinions because I believe Momoa is a little bit like a California style character. I'm like, is he going to play Duncan or is he just going to be? He's a good actor. He he knows what he's doing. I hope so. I feel like he did a really good job as Paul Drogo because he spoke a different language. Shh, don't talk. He's good. He's good. Uh, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Does anybody have an opinion about how? Yeah, how do we feel about the casting choices? What do you guys think? My man. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The broiest Duncan. Actually. Broiest, yes. I I do like Momoa, but I I always thought that uh, someone a a little bit more, I wouldn't say athletic, but more acrobatic. Yeah. I'd always envision uh, yeah, Jason's like six more limber. The way he's like, it's hard to copy his movements because he's so uh, cat-like, as he put it. <laughs> yeah, and and you can see that influence on um, Paul's fighting style. So, but you never know. Yeah, because they're not about. I'm hoping. I feel like he'll do a really good job. I'm hoping, like he'll. Okay, we have two. Team Momoa. Okay, and then we have Dr. Yui, and he is a scientist. Yes. I love Yui. His character is really complicated, and I really feel for him. Um, And he's got his little diamond on his forehead. You see him in the the TV show. He's he's like this side character, and I don't want to give too much away. And I love the character who's going to be playing him in the new movie. Mm. Who's that actor? I don't recognize hmm. that. I don't I'm remember. I'm going to look it up. Okay, look it up for us. Okay. Joe, would you help me describe? Sure. The Sook uh, <laughs> School, basically, they're the best actors in the universe. And mm-hmm. that they're trained, the, the diamond on the forehead means that they're trained in that school and that they are incorruptible supposedly that they can work on anyone including and up to the emperor so you're you're not supposed to suspect them for anything yes they have a great sense of like ethical obligation to uphold and be very you know ethical and it's Mm -hmm. very interesting what his character decides to do but i feel like he was put under so much pressure (laughs) to do what he did and i'm not mention anymore mm-hmm. but they're supposed to be very very ethical yeah no spoilers mm-hmm. now we're getting into uh, how like we might have to <laughs> yeah we might have to fast through it we <laughs> anyway we're, we're introduced to the baron who i feel like your stereotypical villain this is where evil redheads came uh, in like description like, <laughs> disgusting he is your iconic your stereotypical character that you make all these evil like tropes he is your tropey villain I'm gonna say David Lynch got a little carried away that's the whole problem I had actually with uh, the Lynch movie is that they didn't make the Baron complicated enough they just made him the miniseries at least gave him uh, intelligence to whatever else so I always thought that the miniseries one was almost too refined though it's like the Baron did get his hands, although not dirty, but you, you could see that he enjoyed the aspects of his, of his torture. This guy was a little too um, emotionless. 
I always felt that the best version of the Baron would probably be the combination of the two. That you'd have some of that, uh, not wouldn't say bravura, but more like some of that 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 feeling of like, okay, something's not right with this guy. But at the same time, that he's intelligent, devious, cunning, and that you um, wouldn't want to leave your children with him. Yes. Oh, definitely don't leave your children with him. Um, and then you exactly. have his house. You have his twisted mentat, who we learn about. And I love the caterpillar eyebrows. I think it's a mentat thing where they just have the eyebrows. Um, and now you're going to be introduced to Fade, one of my favorite characters ever, played by Sting in the, in the 80s movie. And he just also with the red hair, uh-huh. very interesting. Uh- I'm going to jump in before Heather goes on about the the speedo, um, which was a whole thing we had right there. <laughs> Dion has to jump out, but I wanted everybody to say hi to Sylvia. She just jumped in. Hi, Sylvia. Hi, hi Sylvia. Sylvia. Oh, Sylvia. I gotta go, guys. Everyone bye, Dion. Bye-bye. Bye, Dion. Bye, Dion. session. Okay. Well, we hope to see you next meeting, Dion. Thank you. Yeah, for just saying, saying hi to Sylvia because she's from Seattle, so it's like super early for her right now. <laughs> uh, Good morning. 9 a.m. for you. Morning. Uh, the best part of waking up is to this thing we're doing. Our in your cup. Okay. The best part of waking up is to talk about the Speedo. And then so we have ahead, Faith, who is going to come into power as head of their arch-rival House Harkonnen, and he's being, you know, trained, and he is the nephew to the Baron. So we. Hello. I forgot my water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all right. Uh, Zoom meeting. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to jump in real quick. The yeah. thing at, um, in the Jodorowsky documentary. That character that he wanted to have, that Sting's playing, he wanted to have Mick Jagger as Fate. Um, really? And, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it seems like it's like a rock and roll type. I so think like, who can you possibly have as Fate in the new movie? I don't know because they haven't announced it. Yeah, that's why there's no. listed in IMDb. So I'm kind of curious why they're keeping this kind of hidden. A secret. Yeah, we also don't know who's going to be playing Alia, so I don't know if we're going to see them in the second half. I mean, Ali's a kid, so I, I it'll probably just be like an up and coming actress. But uh, this what this is what I'm curious this casting specifically because I was looking to see if yeah. there have been any kind of announcements and nothing. Are we going to have another rock and roll character? I don't know, <laughs> but I love the energy that. To the movie, and wouldn't, you will... wouldn't Edward Shannon be like the guy that isn't he hot now? I don't uh, know. Edward Shannon. All right. Okay. So, yeah. Now we're anyway. into the Beast, Raban, and I love That's how another his... favorite casting choice of mine. <laughs> I know. I mean, this is this is great. I love how like I. I have words, but they're lost to me. It's great. I am just really in love with this. Well said. That was good. I'm, but he's the enforcer for House Harkonnen. So just a picture, all of your like evil tropes of like just he's your hitman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Um, I love how he also, like, I love that he doesn't have hair in this one because it was like, are all the villains going to have, like, red hair? Or are they going to... I don't think you can keep, you can get Batista red hair. I feel like they're going to be taking a more serious adaptation. And I love how, like, how much space this character just takes up physically. He's just so intimidating. Okay. So yeah. now we have, just, have Shaddam. Uh, okay. uh, I love how, like, he, he kind of does a whole is that, lot. Is that Tywin? Yes, he reminds me a whole lot of Tywin. Just, he is basically Tywin. And we do not know what he's going to look like in the new movie. There's no casting yet. Yeah, I think there's still... Yeah. Public shot first done before. Right do now. we know, like, when does the, the new movie, at what point does it end? Have they said, like, how much of the book it covers? I think well, the new movie is gonna. No, they're gonna but I'm, what I imagine is that it's gonna it's gonna yeah. stop when they drink the water of life and they take the party worm. That's my theory. I think they're gonna split. Um, It'll be the first two books. I don't think it's gonna cover the first. Mm, two. I was thinking that it might close the first book one into two parts. Book one and a half, maybe one and a half. Well, that would be that would make more sense. Um. Okay, let's mm. go. The next Maybe. slide. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So now we have uh, Princess Erlan. She is the eldest Princess daughter. Of the, and she is supposed to be like beautiful. She. I also feel like she's got tricks up her sleeve, and you get to see her with a lovely battle axe headpiece in the new in the old movie from the eighties. Um, oh fun with hats that tv show had i really i really highly recommend do you wanna do you wanna just jump to that part so that we don't miss it yes okay i say i say jump to fun with hats because fun with hats okay we we, we should pick up the speed okay whoa, this whoa. oh i do love the reverend mother the reverend, mother. I, reverend mother who yeah. is your wise woman giving wisdom and training she basically is not super happy that paul is in existence because Paul was supposed to be Paulette. Um, and she <laughs> basically, she's just like, Jessica, what did you do? I told the you original gender not to do this. Um, and so she's losing all of her power and control. And the Benny Gesserits are kind of not happy that Jessica betrayed them, but they're like, let's see if this guy is up to snuff and we will find out in the next book. Okay. And then we have Chani who is going to be Paul's future bay before anybody else. Um, and we, I love how like people envision her like enrobed in gold, very elegant, but very strong. She's a great character. I I'm going to love, and Zendaya is playing her. And I'm very very excited. I feel like she's going to... I just to really love the design of that suit. Yeah, and she's just... Yeah. Her still suit It's so cool. No hair crimper, but she looks like she actually is in the desert. Her hair isn't, like, perfectly washed and groomed. She's got the spice eyes. I love how she's, like, holding onto her Chris knife, and she's, like, prepared for battle. She's on it. Yes. She's the original Spice Girl. Yes. She's the original Spice Girl. Yes. I didn't keep that uh, meme, Monty. Spice <laughs> is coming. It offended me. <laughs> and then we have Stilgar, and I love how, like, they look very tribal. We're finally, like, 
what I envisioned is someone who is going to be of like a different ethnicity, who is going to fully, you know, he's leader of the Furman people. So I love, and, and you know, when it came out in the eighties, I feel like it was all Caucasian actors and actresses. So yeah, I think, and that's something that I, I'm going to be curious to see, like how it's reinterpreted and reanalyzed in the modern era. Because again, the book was written in the sixties, and when I read it, I had no real understanding of like how culture and even bias might have influenced it. But if you have a modern director and modern writers kind of looking back and then trying to say, okay, we can work with this, we can amend this, or we can acknowledge this. Um, It'll just be interesting to see, like, how they take it, how they're respectful, um, both to, like, the book and whatever real-life cultures influence it. Yeah. And from what we are going to understand in the book, uh, the Atreides house with Paul and his father Duke Leto and Lady Jessica are, and their house of warriors are going to be basically on this planet with their arch nemesis and they befriend the Fearman tribe which is the people of Arrakis. They live in the desert they live in these wonderful great tents which I forget the name of Do you remember? They're sand people? Yes basically they are <laughs> yes, they're oh, Okay great. Four planet Arrakis <laughs> And we learn more about the culture through them and how they live. Um, and we're introduced to a very important character, Leia Kynes, who is this planetologist for Arrakis, very, very paying a lot of attention to the sandworms or the makers that are there producing the spice, which is this addictive drug that everybody is following and how this goes into. And it's lovely to see how it goes from a Caucasian actor or actors to being played by a woman. And I wonder how the storyline is going to change with this. I didn't know about this casting either. Gender and race swap. So it's going to be really interesting, but I don't feel like it's going to hinder the storyline too much. But No, but it'll be cool to see what their reasoning was, what the implementation was. Viewed in different ways in this book. And also I feel like, great, we're finally getting some really cool characters and more ladies okay and that basically was my my ending of my introduction and then we have some lovely memes for what i would like to call this thing in a speedo oh yeah it's oh you had to actually just to see are there, the, are there people here who haven't seen the that, you that movie, David Lynch. I, I vaguely remember it. I've seen it once a long time ago. And I, oh my God, rewatch. I have very little sober memories about He's it. Like, I, I okay, Gary it. hasn't seen it. Sylvia, have you seen it? You may be muted right now, but I feel like. Yes or no? Because I. Uh, I haven't seen it before. I definitely have not seen that image. I think I remember. <laughs> Oh, there's more. There's more. Just wait. Um, I love the campiness of the 80s film, and that started the catalyst for me of watching all the various adaptations that there were, and it just gets better. But that's the thing. I don't think I could watch it at this point, because I like have some mental, have specific to. image of the book. I don't want to see... <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. I don't it's know. great. It's great to see what they did with it and how they envisioned it envisioned it themselves. But I'm just like, why is Sting just doing this? Just being like, hello. And it it's great. It's great. Um and then this was actually <laughs> part of the eight minute. You're just like, 
why? So many questions. Why, Patrick Stewart? Why are you riding into battle with the pug? It's like the family dog. <laughs> Did you find a really specific group who was writing fanfics? <laughs> Little pug. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. And then we, of course, have Alia. I have no idea what she's thinking. You can caption this, if you will. She's just high on the spice, just carrying her, her, her Chris knife, I'm assuming. And just... We're, we're in for a treat. And then, you, and then we have what I like to come to, Fun with Hats. This is from the mini-series that happened in the early 2000s. And the costumery, as you can see, is quite lovely. You're like, what is that on your head? <laughs> Why do you look like a battle axe? <laughs> well, how was the mix of, <laughs> it's kind of a mix of Hunger Games and, like, Masters of the games. Universe. <laughs> Very true to the books. And... Um, I just love the direction, the the costume, uh, the that team must have had a ball with the show. And of course, you have like Madame Butterfly. <laughs> he is very beautiful. Not the Madame Butterfly I'm familiar with, but, but okay. Oh I, my god, <laughs> it, it's fantastic. Y'all should watch it just for the camp factor. So much Birdman oh again, god. more hats. More hats. It's it's just so great. What? I, I know so much. What and Somebody why? Somebody give me and a bowling ball. Oh my god! Just have that burned into your retina, and that ends mm. my PowerPoint. All right. Okay. Nice. Very nice. Okay. Okay. So for those of you who are, I mean, Dion left, but for those of you who are total newbies, did we talk you into reading the book? Or at least. Uh, We'll we'll find out on November 26th when I'm in terms of a lot of questions. Yeah, Gene. The names of these damn people, what is this? That's the problem. There's a Paul guy, and then there's a, that's a normal name, and I don't know. Houses, I think if if I do a family tree with the houses, the names of the characters that will help me. It, it's no different from like with Game of Thrones and how you pick you it up. Like know these people and then they get killed off. So I'm like, <laughs> well, but also like the more you talk, like the more you read it, the more you kind of remember it. Um, so again, I'm gonna keep putting Sylvia on the spot because I know her. Um, so <laughs> the, the few times that like we had started reading Game of Thrones or talking about Game of Thrones, I think it took us like two solid years before we knew people's names. So it was like, oh, it's that guy, or um, it's dude with the hand. Like, right. don't worry about names. Names. Are yeah, I mean, or well, since I've been called out, I would argue that I actually don't remember <laughs> any names. I just happened to get through the book just fine. Like, oh, it's the guy with the hair, or it's main character guy, or it's antagonist <laughs> guy. I don't know any other names, but I function somehow. And actually, when I pitched this to Sylvia, she was like, well, I don't think, like, I read it so long ago, I don't think I remember it. And then she summarized the entire book, start to finish, plot point by plot point. <laughs> and I'm like, you remember it. <laughs> there weren't any names in that summary, though. No, that's true. She was like, well, this happens, and then, like, Messiah. Yeah. Yes. Should I, should I watch the David Lynch movie first, or the Sci-Fi Channel movie before getting into the novel? Would that well, help me give context or representations of characters in my if mind, do you think? I'll have a great laugh. I do think the, I do think the miniseries... That doesn't want to show up. 
it actually it covers book one and two and i feel like the mini series is very true to the book series so if you want to we won't judge if you don't I mean, I, I I really do think the writing of the book itself is very interesting and very intriguing. Um, you might want to try the audiobook if that hasn't. I've tried it once. It, it, was, it was good for me. I tried it, but uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe sitting down and watching the movie again with with the with the new interest again. Uh, oh, ding, ding. the numbers. So you all. We can watch the extended David Lynch version if you want us to sit down for about six hours. Yes. <laughs> we can have an all day. Exactly. I'm for the, yep. all the film adaptations. Okay. 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 Um, we'll see what we can do. You want to show the last bit or little memes to end on a. That, yeah, that's on you, Monty. <laughs> I said that to you. You made me put this together this morning. <laughs> well, I don't have it set up on my computer here. Can These are that? curated memes. I, it's, it's on the. Yeah, but I don't have teams. I'm, I'm on. Okay, fine, fine. Team. Make me, make me mod. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> make me work. Make me click a dozen times. Make oh, no. Yes. Make me do oh, my no. job. So a lot of these memes are either references to the movie itself or just in general situations that I'm like, okay, in the context of what's going on today is funny. That is just enough to kind of like... Mm-hmm. You know, once you understand the movie and, and such, it should be kind of cool. I mean, I've seen my favorite <laughs> ones, but yeah. um, can you guys see it? Yeah. Yes. We see it. All right, so now down to the real business. Um, uh-huh. So we got to start with the classic, what's in the box? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. What's in the box? Which my favorite <laughs> is the middle one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. because I can try to imagine putting your hand in a box with a very frightened cat, and I too would just scream my head off. Yeah. Very iconic. <laughs> then there's, does this remind you of anything? Oops. Um, <laughs> which, Monty had a lot of these. <laughs> George Lucas one, I think, is my favorite out of the bunch here. No, I... I think my first one is both a desert planet, an naval emperor, a boy with mental powers, galactic destiny, and is the most original sci-fi work of all time. Star Wars. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And then I ended up, I ended up including um, that Highlander one at the corner because I don't. Does anybody, does anybody here of and Highlander? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Okay. If you haven't seen it, and I'm again talking mostly to Sylvia, I'm going to force you to watch it. <laughs> I don't know which. You'll 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 love it. Don't worry about it. Don't want you worry about it. It's just the first movie. Yeah, just the first movie. <laughs> Although I've heard the TV show isn't no, that. The TV show is great. Okay. It certainly was. Okay, so don't watch the scene. Not my own. Then there's always relevant. <laughs> so that we can see Dune's influence into the modern era. <laughs> meme in there that I didn't include. Oh, I should me. have. I should have uh, included barista. Pumpkin spice. And I think I only have one more. <laughs> oh no, this was like my for book nerds. Has anyone tried to read God Emperor of Dune? Not when we've gotten that far. <laughs> Which one? 
Which one is so, it? Uh, let me I check. Will. Yes, I've read oh, it. Actually. Is it hard to get through? <laughs> I'm looking forward to re-reading it. I've started the series again, but no, it wasn't. Mm. It was mind-blowing, but it wasn't that hard to get through. God, Emperor mm. June is the third book. The fourth or the third. Book, book three? No, wait. Yeah, um, June, the Messiah, Children of June, then that first four. Okay, I don't know if I'll get that far. I'm going to try. And then, uh, let's see, the last one. Yes. This is just uh, yes. fun with memes. I ended up including, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you missed mm. one of my favorites, though. You did miss one of my favorites. That one with Gordon uh, Ramsey. Yelling at the other coach. You put it in there. I could put it in there. I'm sorry. Share in the chat. Yes, link them. Link them in if you'd like. Yeah. Uh -huh. okay. All right. I guess I'll, I'll leave it at the screen there. Um, right. But yeah, I, thank you to everyone who showed up. Um, I hope you're all thinking of joining us for the next one as well. Yeah. We're gonna yes, this is a lot of fun. Okay. <laughs> what chapters are we going to be reading for the next book club meeting? Is it chapter one through 15? It's I don't, it book doesn't one really have a chapter. Yeah, Monty said just book one. I'm like, all right. Yes. 324 pages. <laughs> Woohoo! If, <you> <laughs> yeah, if you have this copy, it like it covers until page 324, and yep. then you hit part two or book two. I should, yes. I so um, if you want to join us for that, we're going to be having that like actual in-depth discussion on November 21st, Monty, or? Yes, it's the last Saturday before Thanksgiving. Yes. Yes. Cool. Be there. And, we'll, and you, can, you can download the audio book from our resources, or you can read the ebook. We have it on Google, we have it on Access, and I believe we have it on Overdrive. Yeah. And if everything goes well and we get through this into the new year and we're done with this series, um, we can do one of two things. I, I would love for us to kind of continue this group mm -hmm. to be, do the first six novels of Doom or pick up another sci-fi series like, like um, Isomoss Foundation series, for example. Yeah. Uh, but again, let's just see how we feel and hopefully uh, this the year will come to a better ending than it started for all of us. But, Maybe uh, we can all meet together and see. Yeah, exactly. The new and then we can do this in person, too. That's the main party. thing. That would be really awesome to do. That would be awesome, yeah. So I had a blast doing this, and I'm really happy to do this with all of you guys. So thank you. Right. Likewise. You're welcome. Thank you. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Yes, oh, yes thank but, you for joining us. All right, guys. I, I just have to make one last note before everybody goes. Yes, the sir. reason that you hear a Pink Floyd song in the new trailer, in mm -hmm. the trailer, was also a shout out to Jodorowsky. He was going to use Pink Floyd to create the yeah. soundtrack for his movie. So it's sort of a, a little, um, a slight wink at that. Yeah. But I just thought it fits so well. It does. It really does. I love the Easter eggs. Okay. Yep. All yep. right. So thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining. See you soon. Take care, Thank guys. I hope so. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. All right. So, hopefully, you've enjoyed this podcast, and I'm grateful that you've made it this far. 
But what I am planning to do, even now that this podcast was strictly audio, since we did have a presentation, as Mr. Gene kind of mocked, I will try to do an enhanced version of having this audio plus the presentation locked together, which I'll notify you guys when that's available on YouTube. So it, it helps a little bit more visually to see what's going on and what we're talking about. And we'll do that also for the book club editions uh, as well. But for right now, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Remember to follow me on the various social networks. You can always email me at monstersci-fi-show at gmail.com. So again, thank you for listening to me and to the Monster Sci-Fi Show. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. Good night. Attention, people of Earth! Looking for a way to kill half an hour every week? Try the Flopcast! It's a silly podcast about cartoons, music, comics, movies, obscure pop culture from the 70s and 80s, and chickens. (laughs) Join us! Bring coffee! We're on the ESO network. And we're at Flopcast.net. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.